Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mental Matchup. I'm Kat, and today I sit down with Dan Magler and Mags Romer to chat about Pause for Patrick, which was founded in 2020 to honor Mags's brother, Patrick. Mags is a junior chair, and Dan is a mental health advisor for the organization. Pause for Patrick is a nonprofit organization connecting young people with emotional support animals and therapy dogs to help with their mental health. Today's really an exciting episode where we discuss why the organization was founded and the importance that animals and in particular dogs served for Patrick, the benefits of having an emotional support animal, what the process is to, you know, get an emotional support animal letter, working with a therapist, and ultimately how Pause for Patrick works. It's a really incredible organization, and I not only feel like I learned a lot about ESAs, but I also learned a lot about an incredible organization who is helping so many people across the nation. If you want to find out more about Pause for Patrick, you can head to pauseforpatrick.org. But without further ado, let's get right into it. Mags and Dan, thank you so much for joining me on The Mental Matchup. I am really pumped to have a conversation with both of you about emotional support animals, pause for Patrick, everything in between. I think it's such an amazing topic. And there we are, one of our furry friends joining us in the background, right on cue. Um, <laughs> to, to kick us off, Mags, let's start. With, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yes, of course. I'm so sorry. I They, they usually are actually better than this, surprisingly. Um, so I'm Mags. Where I am, I physically, I'm in North Carolina. I'm a freshman at Wake Forest, and um, I'm Pastor Patrick's junior board chair. So that, and I'm also a co-founder, which is more important with my role in getting the organization started. But uh, so as my role in junior board chair, I facilitate all the juniors. So we have junior-led areas. Um, and they lead our volunteers, our various junior-led organizations, such as like Turn Our Campuses Green, which I'll talk more about later. But so I oversee all the individuals who lead those movements. Um, yeah, it's the most of it. <laughs> awesome. I'm sure there's more, but for now, we can kick it off with that. Dan, what about you? <laughs> well, I'm Dan Migler, and I'm the uh, mental health advisor for Pause for Patrick, and I'm a school social worker and a therapist in private practice, and I host my own mental health podcast called Not Allowed to Die. Love and it. I happened to be, I had the, the good fortune of being Patrick's social worker when he was in high school. Oh, okay. That's really cool. Um, I mean, people are probably listening and are like, why is that cool? Mags, <laughs> can you introduce to the audience, like, what is pause for Patrick? I'm sure they've made the connection, like, paws around an animal probably has to do with animals but I would love for you to just give give them a deep dive to like the world of paws for Patrick 
Yes, of course. And I also forgot to add the very important part. I'm Patrick's sister. That's that's the that's the big thing I forgot to add. I guess it's I just assume everyone knows. But um, so Pause for Patrick is a nonprofit organization that connects young people living with mental illnesses to emotional support animals and therapy dogs. Um, and another part with that is just like working to break the stigma. But basically what that means is we will help an individual living with mental illness connect them with an emotional support animal in whatever way that might mean. So whether it's getting them the animal, it's like that's what they need to start, uh, getting them the ESA certificate, helping them figure out their living arrangements, like how they can get their animal to live with them or just any also financially helping them really anything they just we help them every step of the way and then we also our therapy dogs aspect we have about 20 trained and certified therapy dogs which their handlers will bring them to various locations and um, what a therapy dog does is they have their handler and that handler takes them places and then they provide like temporary comfort for the individuals they're with so they're not like we're giving them to people, but we take them places and they support them that way. So that's a misconception that some people always confuse between ESAs and therapy dogs. And then along with that, we're just always working to break the stigma. So everywhere we go, everything we do, that's always an underlying goal. So where does, can you speak a little bit about, about like the I guess, inspiration to start Pause for Patrick and like who your brother was and and why this is like important, you know, to you yeah. and in a passion that you're focusing on? Yes. So Patrick is my older brother and he passed away in May of 2020. So about, oh my gosh, I can't even do math right now. I, but some years ago and, um, right in the moments of before his passing, he passed away to mental illness, but so that's the connection, obviously. We were shown this GoFundMe page that was created by some individuals in our town and it was just blowing up. And my other brother, Ben and I were like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Um, And right away, like my mom was just like, we're gonna do something. Like we need to do something to help. Like I, I, I can't believe our world is like this. Like we need to make a difference. We can't just sit back and like let things continue to go the way they were. And at first they were like, okay, we'll use this money to fund therapy for people because the mental illness aspect. But then we were like, well, Patrick didn't really like therapy. That, that doesn't add up. Yeah. I, Dan knows, you know, it's just not his thing. Like, <laughs> that would have he would have like been so disappointed in us if that's where our brains took us. I mean, we're smarter than that. So we put together, like Patrick is the biggest animal lover anyone ever knows if they met him. Um, so we like put two and two together, like animals, mental illness, boom. It just, it like came together so perfectly. And we met with a bunch of individuals in our lives that were close to that knew Patrick well that know us well and have a, a passion for this and we just like brainstormed together like a month after Patrick's passing and we just had a ton of individuals who 
cared a lot and were driven by passion and determination and we just brought it all together so beautifully. I'm really in awe of how quickly, well, one, that you were able to take something that is like very tragic and like heartbreaking and turn it into something really positive and almost like leaving this greater legacy right for him um but two that you were able you know you and your family to kind of like within a month two months say like we're gonna do something greater than this like I think grieving is a really hard process and everyone grieves differently but to be able to kind of turn turn the page and heal through I'm guessing right like you can tell me if I'm wrong but like heal through kind of focusing that grief into something more positive I think is really incredible with Patrick you say you know you mentioned like he's he was a huge he is a huge animal lover like did he have a dog did that dog kind of support him and his mental health journey like was that also part of the inspiration yes of course it was um Dan's probably heard more about Cece than I even have, but I I saw the connection every day, which was very special. Um, So Patrick had a dog named Cece and we got Cece. I, me and my oldest brother, Ben, weren't there. They had just dropped us off and they were, my parents and Patrick were like driving home from dropping Ben and I off. And there was this little like dog fair on the side of like a highway, like so random, so out of nowhere. (laughs) But they pulled over for some reason and totally out of character for my parents because they know, you know, we're good convincers. Like, we love animals. Of course, we're going to work our magic. Um, And the second they saw Patrick pick up this dog who was Cece, they just, they described this smile they saw for the first time in so long. And they were like, as soon as we saw that, there was no saying no. Um, So that's how their story began. But... And just throughout the next, unfortunately, only five years because Cece passed away suddenly and unexpectedly at the beginning of Patrick's senior year. But throughout those five years, they were they were intertwined with each other. I we all say often like Cece held Patrick's soul and heart and that dog just like they had such a special connection I could never describe. I don't think two humans could have the type of connection that they had and it's just so powerful to even like think about. Um, but she was she was always there for him when we couldn't always be. And they always just wanted to be with each other and had such a healing relationship. It was just so wonderful. A very lucky thing to witness. Yeah, if I can jump in. <clears throat> when Patrick was at school, often he would be hit by anxiety attacks. And he would come down to my office and he couldn't even form words. I would ask him questions and he would nod and gesture. And typically the only thing he wanted was to go home so that he could be with Cece. Because when he was with Cece, he could slow his heart rate. He could calm down. He could feel like himself again. The thoughts would stop pressing their way in. And that's what we, we just know that, again, the greatest therapist in the world isn't going to be able to empathize with you and connect with you in the way that an animal can. In addition, no matter how much I love my clients, I'm not answering the phone at three in the morning, but at three in the morning, Patrick and Cece could curl up together. So if it was a 
you know, a bad time at a, a dance, or if it was a frustrating day with peers, Patrick had that. And that was what CC provided. And Patrick was an artist in addition to being an incredible athlete and just a really funny person. And so he had a big tattoo that he designed on his thigh of CC's face in the form of a paw print. And the paw print that became the logo for Pawster Patrick is actually something that Patrick, he, he spray painted and tagged on a bridge in the woods. And so that became very naturally the logo because that was Patrick's artwork after CC died in a way of remembering her. So the bond that they had, and I think anybody who's loved an animal can understand in that kind of connection, that sometimes we just, we don't have the words that a human can understand and can bring, but that animal can always understand us. I could not agree more. I am definitely biased because my own dog is like, I mean, I was, I was telling you earlier, I, I got my dog during COVID when I was living with my parents and we drove to Ohio to pick Bronco up and my mom was in the car with me and she was like, this is the worst idea you've ever had. Like, I cannot believe you're signing me up for, cause we had gotten cats when I was younger that of course, like I didn't take care of, but I was like, no, no, no. Like this is gonna be the best thing ever. And she was like, here I go again, signing myself up for an animal that one of my kids wants. And I like, from the moment I held my dog in my arms was like, this is it. And I, I feel like I don't have kids, but for those listening, like I feel like a piece of like me is my dog. Like to your point of on the hard days, on the good days, I'm like, let's go for a long walk. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back in a moment. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message was founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved daughter, sister, and fiercely loyal friend. Through amplifying resources and stories, Morgan's message is working to destigmatize mental health within the student athlete community. If you're interested in learning more about Morgan's message, if you want to see what we're up to, or if you just want to follow along, head to morgansmessage.org, or you can find us on Instagram at Morgan's Message. Let's get back to Dan and Mags. talk about like I'm really fascinated by what it is maybe chemically that happens with like having an animal around and how it helps kind of like rest I'm guessing your parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. is that right yeah that parasympathetic nervous system so again when, when we when we're breathing in we're taking in oxygen and if we had to run from a cheetah or something like that we would be activating our sympathetic nervous system so that you know we're, we're getting that adrenaline going. When we exhale, we're ap- activating the opposite end. And so when we're stroking an animal, and sometimes we're ending up matching our heart rate to theirs, and whether it's a dog and feeling that or a cat curling up on our lap and purring, there's a lot of research that, that says that these things decrease cortisol, which is that stress hormone. In addition, making eye contact with a dog has shown to have some increase in oxytocin, So you may have heard of oxytocin as sort of a love hormone. 
And so we secrete a little bit of that after sex, but also moms secrete a ton of that after giving birth. And so that's one of the reasons why you've noticed many families have more than one child. Well, that oxytocin helps people to forget the pain of childbirth and it helps them to say, oh, okay, I might, I might love this thing. I might want to do this again. Well, we get a little hit of that oxytocin. And so there's endorphins, just spending time with our animals. What's interesting about the research is that in depression, cats actually have slightly higher, better outcomes than dogs in helping to reduce symptoms of depression. But for things like anxiety, dogs are really kind of the best, particularly when we're talking about things like social anxiety. Because for so many people, I don't know about you, but the idea of making small talk with people is something I just want to avoid. But if I'm walking my dog, like my, since having Mar Mariska, my three-toothed Patterdale Terrier, she was also a COVID adoptee. She's, <laughs> she's 13 now. She was 11 when we got her. And literally today, just before this, I was walking her and some woman stopped me and she just wanted to know all about Mariska. She didn't ask my name, but <laughs> again, having that dog with me makes those social interactions a lot easier. And I think a lot of people find that they're a great icebreaker or, and people are just more friendly to you when that animal's around. So yeah, they have a lot of benefits in some of those ways. I also find, and, and I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this. Like I, I guess I'll speak to my own experience when I, I moved out after, well, slightly in the middle of COVID and I didn't bring my dog with me at first. Cause I wanted to like transition to my new apartment and get used to like the new city I was living in. And I found that I was like never going outside. Like I would work mm -hmm. from eight to six 30 and would kind of just like make dinner and then sit. And my mental health was really quickly deteriorating. And as soon as Bronco moved up like a month later, being forced to essentially like take care of another being, get outside, get the fresh air. Like it was mm -hmm. dramatic, the difference that it made in my day to day. Is there anything you can kind of speak to on that and like the overall, I guess like health, mental health benefits? Yeah, with, with any kind of health, we, we have to, we, we talk about hygiene and we think of like bodily hygiene, taking a shower or oral hygiene and brushing our teeth. But there's also mental health hygiene. And one of the big things with mental health hygiene is sleep, movement, taking care of ourselves, eating. So many people will, if they're just living alone, they may forget when they need to eat. But your cat, your dog, they need to eat. And so sometimes just doing the things that you need to do to take care of them, will they'll force you to say, I'm going to have to go to bed at night because I'm going to have to wake up in the morning and take this dog out or there's going to be a puddle of pee on the ground. So those ideas of I can't just fall into really terrible negative habits because caring for my animal makes me take care of myself. And when I'm writing emotional support animal letters, that's one of the things I hear from the help seekers that we help with Foster Patrick time and time again of having this animal gets me to take care of myself in a better way. In addition, so many people with mental health challenges feel like they're always a burden or they are the one receiving help. But having this animal reframes you and saying you are the one, the giver of help. Your animal looks to you for everything and you get to feel powerful and important. Maybe most importantly though, we know in our country right now, there's an epidemic of loneliness and coming home, even if it's to a goldfish, a gerbil, a tarantula, whatever that animal is that you love, it makes your home feel like a less empty place. So whether you're taking that animal out or you're just staying in and you know watching a movie, but that animal is also there with you, it makes you feel less alone. 100%. Um, that was so... I don't know. You broke that down so well. I, 
I am curious. Um, when I think of like emotional support animals, like my brain automatically goes to dogs. Like I feel like the stereotype is very much so not even necessarily like it's more so the um, therapy dog, service dog, like the vest pops into my mind and it feels like this like big, bigger thing that's like harder to attain. Can you kind of break down like what an emotional support animal is at like the most Mm -hmm. basic level? Because I didn't even realize that it could be a snake. It could be a tarantula, Mm -hmm. which like tells you, Mm -hmm. you know, how educated I am. Um, But I'd love to educate the audience. I still think it's crazy that I can be a snake. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, I couldn't do it personally, but I understand. I was, I was literally having this conversation today with one of my students who said, hey, can you certify my dog so that I can bring it to college with me? And the reality, that's a misconception. We don't certify the animals. It's the individual person who has a disability. So as a therapist, when I write an ESA letter, what I'm certifying is there is a person who has a disability. And that disability can, some of the symptoms may be remediated by contact and spending time with a companion animal. The ESA just, it only really refers to a person's dwelling. So often when people see animals out and they're talking about ESAs, those are generally not emotional support animals. If they're out and have access to everywhere, then that's usually a service animal or a therapy dog. So we have four main broad categories of helping animals. The biggest and most need for training is in service animals. So those are things that you would see they can go with people. They are trained to help remediate a specific disability. So it can be blindness. It can be epilepsy. There are even psychiatric service animals. I was uh, listening to a podcast earlier today, uh, Rescued by a Dog, where a woman was talking about how when she's having hallucinations, her dog had been trained to help her realize what are real people and what are hallucinations. So again, but this animal, the the bear, bar for entry for a service animal, it usually takes about ten to $12,000 to train that service animal. And yeah, so that's a lot. The next level in training down is a therapy dog. And so as we talked about earlier, therapy dogs are trained to be able to go and interact with people and be non-reactive to other stimuli. So they have to pass a number of tests. They might take them to places like Home Depot or whatnot, so they can see, can you be around people? Can you be around animals and focus on your job, which is just to comfort people? Therapy dogs can work generally every other day for about two hours. A subset of therapy dogs are called facility dogs. So at a hospital or a therapy center, there might be a therapy dog that just kind of stays there all day long, and they're allowed to work longer. So they're, still, they're also just a therapy dog. And that that lowest level or bar for training or whatnot is an ESA. So the ESA does not have to have any training at all. It doesn't have to know it's an ESA. <laughs> it's just saying this is an animal that when, when this person's around it, they feel better. They feel some less of some of their symptoms. And what having an ESA letter allows for you, if you're a renter, is that your landlord cannot charge you pet fees. And so that's a really nice, and they can't, they can't restrict any kind of breed, things like that. So it really you know, allows you to have your animal. And we think that this should be a fundamental right that pretty much everyone should have. That was such a good breakdown. Um, digesting it all. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like my mind has been like blown a little bit um, just by like breaking down the ESA to, to really like differentiate that it's not like training for the animal, but rather the human and the person themselves. And like, that's, that's very interesting. I'd love to chat a little bit about like how, how one 
you know, works with Paws for Patrick to get an ESA to kind of walk through the process. Like it, it's incredible what you all are doing. It also seems like it's everyone is so different. Like individuals are so different and the types of animals that they might be interested in or not interested in. And I don't know, I'd love for you guys to kind of take me through like step-by-step what it would look like to, you know, work with your organization. Yeah, I can start. So with regards to attaining an ESA, uh, the first step is going to our website and they just fill out a form like a quick, quick, easy form. Um, And then from there, they're directly connected with an individual wish grantor. So this wish grantor is just basically like their go to person, they're going to hold their hand the whole way through every step of the process. Um, And they'll they'll talk and discuss like, what exactly they want they'll help them figure out what animal is best for them because like what you were saying like if you're gone all day working and you can never you don't have a backyard or any outdoor space like it's probably a dog is probably not the best idea for you um so they'll help them figure out like first and foremost what kind of animal would be best for them they'll help them attain the animal if that's what they're looking for so maybe like they just they can't bring themselves to look themselves. And some people find excitement in searching for dogs. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people actually do it for fun. My mom does sometimes. When she My sister. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it. Like It's just so cute. Um, and like the idea of it is so fun. But if if that's not for the, the person seeking help, then like their wish grantor can find that animal for them. And they'll also once they find the animal and attain the animal, we'll pay up to $500 because we encourage rescue animals. Um, and that's like what you can get a rescue dog for. We're not only dogs, of course, but that is what you can get a rescue dog for. So we'll pay up to $500 and we'll also assist with training because like, as Dan said, it's not a requirement but we do think that that just takes away a little bit of the burden of having an animal because it is like it can, it can be stressful and we don't want it to add any extra stress. So we assist with some training to lower that as much as possible. And throughout the process, too, they meet with one of our therapists, which Dan can talk more about that. But just to get the like ESA letter and stuff to help them coordinate with their landlord and wherever they're living just to figure out those living arrangements but the wish really just like helps them throughout the entire thing so the whole way they have this one person who is there for them who is the wish grantor like are who trains them how do we find them are they all over the country yeah so they they can be all over the country um and I'm sure they are too. They're volunteers. They volunteer. This is what they want to do. And it's uh, it's a great volunteer opportunity too, because you're directly being able to help that person, which is such a special thing. But you're also like, if you're super busy and it only fits in your schedule to do like one ESA grant a month, even like, then you can do that. Or if you want to do like seven a week, you can do that. It's just, oh, sorry. <laughs> the coughing was going to happen eventually. Um, it's 
it's a great volunteer opportunity and super flexible. It can be anywhere because it's for the most part, all virtual, unless like for some special case, I don't know, you're getting the dog, but that doesn't really happen often. So, yeah. So anybody listening right now, if you're over 18 and you would like to help people out and you believe in this, you could come to our website and fill out the form to be one of our volunteers. So anybody could be a wish grantor. It doesn't take any. And then one of our board members trains them on the process that Foster Patrick uses. And they're never going through any of this alone. So if they have a case that seems a little bit strange, they can always consult with other wish grantors, with our board members, or with the therapist that they're going to connect that person to. So... And again, I would say at least 60% of our wish granters are actually, by a weird quirk, they're medical school students. So we somehow made this connection with a couple of different medical schools. So if you're thinking, I'm way too busy to be a wish granter, um, if medical school students can do uh-huh. it, you Fair. probably can do it too. <laughs> so in no addition- such so, thing, too busy. Right. I mean, and again, because you can step up and step back as necessary. Yeah. The same thing is true for our volunteer therapists. So almost everybody with Pause for Patrick is a volunteer. And so we're actively seeking, if anybody listening to this knows a therapist, or if you are a therapist, we need therapists in every state. Because again, I can only practice, I'm only licensed to practice in Illinois. So helping people when we, we've helped people in over 31 states. So we need to actively recruit more therapists who are licensed in more states. So what happens is the wish grantor will reach out to me or to one of our other therapists and say, okay, I've got a, a seeker. We, some, we call them help seekers. And they're available at this time and this time, which therapist can help them out. And sometimes even if a person doesn't need a letter, they might even have a letter from the past or whatnot. We still connect them with one of our therapists just to make sure that they do in fact have an emotional health disability and that it would be a good fit. We would never put an animal with someone who is struggling so much with their emotional health that they would be an unfit and unsafe Mm. person for an animal to be with. So that's as the volunteer therapist, those, I have two roles. I'm verifying that the person has a disability and that they're ready to have an animal. And then I'm typically writing an ESA letter. And a number of people, I would say the majority of people that I've worked with, they already have their own animal. They just need help getting that letter. And so it's a very simple process. It usually takes me, you know, I'll do an interview with them. If they have a therapist, which a shocking number of people have a therapist, but their therapist is just not allowed by whatever organization they work for Mm. to write the letters, or they're just, they've never done it before and they don't know how. And so that's something we really want to do is empower therapists to write letters for people. And so if any therapists want to learn how, they can reach out to me. It's just D-M-A-I-G-L-E-R-L-C-S-W at gmail.com. And I will answer any questions that anyone has about how to write ESA letters. Because it really, once you learn how to do it, I can write an ESA letter in under 10 minutes if I know the client well. There's, there's our guest again. Um, yeah. They just, they want to be involved. I love it. Why today? I just got <laughs> home today too. My dorm room would have been quieter. <laughs> um, yes. that that makes a lot of sense. So, the application process seems pretty straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. which, as it should be, right? It like shouldn't be a stressful process. Do you have any? I don't know. Do you have any like good stories of, I don't know if you're allowed to talk like specific details, but any like interesting animals or ones that stand out as like, this was really impactful for me to kind of be involved in this process or anything along those lines? We've had animals from a chinchilla. We've done birds. We've done all kinds of things. Chinchilla, really? Yeah. When was that? What? (laughs) 
And one of the things we, we try to say at Poster Patrick is we don't say no, but we might say not yet. So there was one woman who, and we are, we're out here to help young people, but young is a very loosely defined term. We're typically marketing to people 26 and younger, okay. but especially if you have, like, let's say there's a 55 year old person, but they're raising three young people. We want to help the young people in that home. So we're going to, we're going to devote our resources and energy first coming to the younger people. But we had one of our early clients and she was in her eighties and she knew that she needed her emotional support animal to be a dog and she needed to have the same zodiac sign that she had you know she was a libra and she needed this dog to be a libra okay. so we don't say no we just say hey it might take us a little longer to find you a libra but we're gonna so that wish granter took a little longer to be searching the shelters and things like that for her but they were able to pair them up so that, that's that's really what the wish granter is doing every case is unique and individual but we're going to be there as, as mag said along the way and as things change, I always tell the people I work with, if three years from now, if five years from now, if you move to a new place and you require some sort of updated letter, you can reach back out to Pause for Patrick. And if I've moved to Mars and I'm not available, someone else from Pause for Patrick would help out. Now, technically, ESA letters should not expire as long as your disability does not expire. So there are certain disabilities, for example, like adjustment disorder. Is it like, let's say I have some aspects of depression because I just had to move to a new city. Well, then maybe that disorder, I might need an updated letter, but things like major depression, bipolar disorder, OCD, autism, these are disorders that people tend to carry for their lives. So mm -hmm. that letter shouldn't expire, but some landlords will ask for an updated letter. Updated letter. Got it. You, you read my mind. I was, I was going to ask, like, do you, you know, keep, I don't know if keep tabs is the right terminology, but like follow up with certain you know people you've worked with to see how it's going or is there any kind of like feedback loop there some of our wish granters do to the point where uh one of our wish granters he became so close to this woman that he helped to get um her dog that, that she actually dog sits for him now whenever his dog needs help and so they've, they've kind of formed a bond and she is now she has actually become a volunteer for Pauser Patrick, and she appears in some of our videos and does some narration about, and she shows her dog and talks about how, how her dog really helped her through the college experience, particularly during COVID, when there was mm -hmm. so much anxiety for her and so many things that she was dealing with. So that's really up to the individual wish granters and to the people that they're helping, how much they want to maintain that bond over time. Got it. Um, no, that's really, really cool. Is there anything you feel like we haven't touched on that's really pertinent to the process or pause for Patrick more generally. I think one thing, if you go onto Facebook pages and things like that, there's a lot of really angry people about ESAs and there's, they're angry people in part because of people misrepresenting and abusing ESA systems, people who will go on to Amazon and buy a little vest for their dog and take their dog to Walmart and say, well, I'm allowed to do this because it's an ESA. And there are people who, who really are loving and supportive of the ESA laws, but they're angry with all these people out there. And they're skeptical of organizations like Paws for Patrick because they'll say, well, what's, what's your take? What's your angle? Well, the reality is we don't have an angle. We just are tired of people suffering. And we want to do what we can. And we know there is no more cost-effective thing that we can possibly provide people than bringing an animal into their world. We think that just like everyone should have the right to have music, everyone should have the right to have an animal with them. But just like with your music, if you're blasting your music at three in the morning, your neighbors have the right to be upset about that. 
And if you have an animal and you're not taking care of it and you're letting it be loud and you're letting it poop all over the place, you know, your landlord or the other people you live near has the right to be upset. So it's really about people should have rights to have access to these things, to have whatever it takes to make them healthy, but they also have to be good and responsible citizens. But we can't let our fear of some people doing the wrong thing block other people who need this and can benefit from it. So if you run into any of those upset people online, let's just err on the side of giving people what they think we think they might need and might benefit from. Because the one extra day of suffering is a big deal for the person who's going through it. That was such a great way to put that. Um, I do, I will say even, I mean, I even am not that educated on East. I feel like I'm way more educated now after having this conversation, uh, thankfully. But I, I do think that like there is sort of an abuse of this system with, you know, something, I mean, I can think of like the vests as, as an example, I definitely have come across some people in my life where I'm like, that doesn't look like an actual, uh, service, service vest. Um, but I think we, what the organization is doing in terms of like just making, making access to something like this more accessible and more straightforward and not this like Googling, I feel like I way back in the day looked into it and was like, how do you even Google like ESAs? Cause I was thinking, trying to get like a letter, you know, and my therapist ended up being able to write one, but I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, right. It's like an interesting topic that I feel like no one talks about a lot. So I love it. Um, with that, we're very close to time. I normally like to end with closing questions. Um, and since there's two of you, I will ask the same question and you guys can flip a coin to decide who answers it first. Um, but a big, big theme on kind of the mental matchup is like gratitude. Cause I think gratitude can be very, very empowering and inspiring in times of, you know, hardship. So what are you most grateful for? I love that. Although that's hard. There's it's a hard question. Yeah. Hmm. Max, you want me to go first or yeah, you can go first. I, I don't know what to decide. There's like so much, which is so great. Well, I'm gonna say right in this moment as we're having this conversation, I am so grateful to the Romer family because when you're a therapist, there is no worse thing that can happen for you than to lose one of your clients to die by suicide. And to not only not be blamed by them, but to be welcomed into the organization that they've started to help so many people. And it's been so healing for me. Every time I get to meet with a help seeker and I'm able to just see that joy on their face as they, they see what we've been able to do for them. Because as a therapist, often it's months before you're able to give anybody anything that's concrete and actionable. Whereas I, in just a one session with someone can say, I can make someone's life that much better. And so I'm grateful to the Romer family to allow me to be a part of this organization because it has brought my life so much joy and so much healing from the trauma and pain that I have dealt with on my own. And I think volunteering for this place is a, is a really great way for healing. I'm kind of boomeranging that back, actually. I, mine is for all the individuals who have just believed in this mission and like taken a chance on it. I've just everyone involved with Pause for Patrick. Moving on, like the past couple months, I I totally like I had to leave a piece of my heart, of course, 
um, just like going on and no one I know now knows about Patrick or anything, but being able to come back and, you know, have monthly board meetings and be surrounded by people who just like understand and are working towards the same mission is it's, it's some of the most homey feelings I feel all, all year. So I, I'm just so grateful for everyone involved with pause and especially people who are just willing to learn more and understand more and truly like make an effort to work towards all the same things we're all working towards. Those were such, both such good answers. Um, Thank you so much, Dan Mags, for coming on and talking with a complete stranger about, you know, such an important, I think, topic, mental health, but then on top of it, just clarifying some things around ESAs and how to get involved. And, you know, if you're interested in Paws for Patrick, you know, um, so I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And just a, as you say, just an easy conversation and a, to talk about something that obviously we're very passionate about. Yeah. Another huge thank you to Dan and Max for coming on the mental matchup and sharing a little bit about their why and their how and their what and just being very open, you know, about their their driving force behind Paws for Patrick, what they're up to, how you can get involved, how you can find out more, how you can utilize their organization. I think top to bottom, how incredible as an animal lover and a dog lover i think this this organization is truly doing some amazing work and i'm really i'm really glad that they decided to you know come on the mental patch up share a little bit more about their organization and speak to all the ways you can get involved um if you are interested in getting involved or you're just interested in learning more about esas more about pause for patrick you can head to pauseforpatrick.org if you are interested in coming on the mental matchup, head to morgansmessage.org, submit your story, reach out. We would love to chat more. And last but not least, a huge, huge, huge thank you, round of applause, kudos to Morgan's Message for presenting this podcast. If you want to get involved with Morgan's Message, if you want to follow along, or you just are interested in learning more, head to morgansmessage.org or find us on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, I will see you next episode.